Welcome to the Lair of Secrets podcast, the podcast about gaming and being a geek by two 40-something geek dads. I'm Ken Newquist, and I come from the future, the future of the Lair of Secrets podcast, that is. Uh, we got the temporal resequencer working again, and we're here to tell you some things about <laughs> the great zines that are part of Kickstarter's uh, Zine Quest 3. Uh, temporal distortion still, like, I just messing with my head a little bit, just a, a wee bit confused. How, how did you make it? I and I'm David Moore. Welcome to the world of tomorrow. Oh wait, you did just do that. Uh, I'm still ge- I'm still getting used to the resequencing as well. Uh, so tell me about ZineQuest. After you tell me about what you did this week, or was that three months in the past future? It's a good question. I hear that. I see the hounds have followed you backwards through time. Yes, always a danger when yes. you're when you're tripping through the past and the future and what have you. But. That's a risk we were willing to run to talk about ZineQuest. So uh, let's see what I've been up to. Uh, I finally read Atomic Robo, which you talked about months. Oh, wait, that was that was maybe days or weeks ago or maybe a couple days ago for our listeners because we talked about it in episode three. Yeah. We- weirdly enough, was just finished editing. Indeed. So just like time is just slipping back and forth just like that. So Atomic Robo, I read Atomic Robo and the Fighting Scientists of Tel- Telsadine? Tesla Dine? Tesla Dine. Yes, cuz Tesla Tesla built Atomic Robo. I I also started reading rereading uh Atomic Robo yesterday actually. So it's a good time. I'm reading it, it on Comicsology Unlimited on, uh, on Amazon. I got a subscription to it because I'm trying to diversify my reading beyond Marvel, uh, which gotcha. is a kind of sacrilege for me. But <laughs> you know, they they have a tremendous amount of stuff on on Comicsology. So great recommendation. Uh, I think we talked about this before. If you like Hellboy, I think you'll enjoy Atomic Robo. Uh, it's really good stuff. Yep. Uh, speaking of Marvel, um, I could say make mine Wandavision. Uh, my kids and I have been watching WandaVision on Disney Plus and, and really enjoying it. The first two episodes are, are pretty kind of pretty slow, uh, and it's very much a, a, an homage to the classic like '60s sitcoms of yesteryear, which for some strange reason I grew up on. Um, and so I was getting the tropes. My kids weren't necessarily getting the tropes, but they are such Marvel files, having grown up watching the series like all of the movies like they could see the little things showing up especially Mm -hmm. as we got into the latter episodes they're like oh oh," (laughs) you know so it was those were the parts that kept me through the first two episodes uh i really appreciated the the craftsmanship the art artistry of how they reproduced things in uh of sitcom different sitcom eras but i am not a sitcom fan and so i was like all right (laughs) I gave it two. I'm going to give it one more episode. <laughs> and if it doesn't like, if it's more of the same sitcom stuff, I'm just going to drop it. Um, and episode three was a little bit of sitcom stuff. Um, I think that's when they reached the Brady Bunch era. Um, yes. But uh, with that, they also, they also expand it more. Um, yes. Uh, as a friend of mine said, his wife, he and his wife were watching and, they watched episode three and she's like, I really liked episode one and two, but episode three seems more like your kind of show. Your, you know, <laughs> like, like superheroes and such. So, um, so yeah, I've, I've watched episode three and four and it was, um, it's pretty cool. I'm, I'm wondering where they're going to take it. And I'm wondering if it's a finite series, kind of like a mini series. Like, will it only be one season? Cause it's going to be hard for me to see them continuing yeah, th- with 
setup. Yeah, I think I think it is going to be a limited run. And personally, my guess is this is going to be foundational to everything that comes next. Um, given the Scarlet Witch's powers, like, I'm mm-hmm. a big fan of the X Men, as we've talked about in some episode, maybe in the past, maybe in the future. Scarlet Witch is exceedingly powerful and can do some pretty weird stuff. Uh, and if they run with that, it's going to be it's going to be pretty impressive. So, now, my run um, of the X Men that I read did not have Scarlet Witch in there, so I'm assuming she comes in later because she was in the Avengers before she was in X Men, I think. I'm trying to remember because I got into her. I don't even remember when she shows up in the X-Men because it's been that long for me. But And right. she wasn't always in the X-Men. Like She pops in and out and she was more, there would be times when she was more in the Avengers and less in the X-Men. Okay. But she was pivotal to um, some of the biggest X-Men storylines of the last 10 years. So it's... Uh... <laughs> got it. Uh, which are none of the ones that I've read. <laughs> I haven't right. read any exactly. of those so speaking of X-Men, uh, I finished reading X of Swords, which is Marvel's massive summer crossover. See, we're just messing with the timeline, folks, just bouncing all over the place. Um, it was their huge crossover. So 22 issues, uh, I collected all of them, except I didn't because I was missing five, five issues, which I then had to back order. And they finally came in. So I finally got to read it. And it's bonkers crazy. The X-Men go to basically the Fey Wild. Oh, <laughs> and interesting. It's, it's it's heavily inspired by uh, the Chris Claremont, Alan Davis era of Excalibur, which uh, was like back in the late eighties. I read it. So I read the X-Nerds, first few of those. Yeah. And they were like goofy, right? Like they were, they always had like a shtick and they were kind of funny and, and they were trying to kind of find, they, they felt more like an alpha flight sort of, uh, sort of comic where they were still trying to find their footing as to yes. like who these characters are and what their purpose is. And, yeah, we got like the Cap- Captain Britain, who I've always enjoyed Captain Britain. They had Kitty Pride. Uh, I think she's going by Cape Pride these days. But uh, she's Light not Crawler, 13 anymore? Uh, no, she is not. She is now a uh, 20-something woman, which, you know, we were the same age when I started reading them. So I don't think this is fair. But in any case. <laughs> if I recall correctly, there was a, um, uh, a thing, a, a joke, a running gag going on. Um, that people noticed that Kitty Pride would occasionally have a birthday in the X-Men, but she'd always right. be 13. Right. <laughs> so she had like five 13th birthdays or something along those lines. Yeah, it sounds about right. So in any case, the Excalibur fan, I mean, it's not all Excalibur all the time. There's a lot more going on in the series, but uh, if you're an Excalibur fan, you will see the the hand of Chris Claremont and, um, and Alan cool. Davis on that. Um, and then finally, I started reading Rhythm of War by Brandon Sanderson, which is the latest book in the uh, Stormlight Archive. Um, and I should be done sometime in 2022, maybe maybe 2023. Uh, okay. This is 1,232 pages. The <laughs> audiobook is 57 hours oh and 26 gosh. minutes long. Oh, my God. That's a lot of running. I, I, you know, I, I'm going to have to walk. like So I'm trying to get WhisperSync working on on my Kindle and my and audible so that if okay. I can get those two to working together, then I can read and print and read an audio. Cause otherwise if I just listen to the book, yeah. it's going to take me at time. least six months. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I've used WhisperSync bef- long ago and it works pretty well for the most part. I don't get the textbook, the text of the book and the audible book at the same time for most. So yeah, in this case I bought the text copy for my son. 
okay. we wanted to physically read it over the summer. Yep. And so I have this opportunity to try and sync it up, but it seems like it's harder if you have the Audible subscription and the and the te- and the, the text. If I recall, you you normally had to like buy them at the same time. Yes. And so there are hoops that will be jumped through, and I yeah. will let people know if I'm successful or not sometime in the distant future. Yeah, I'd be interested in, in if you if you buy them separately, can you connect? That is the question. I shall venture into the laboratory and attempt to determine <laughs> how the heck to do it. So what are you yep. up to? <laughs> um, well, uh, I'll start with the, the weirdest thing first. Uh, Netflix has a movie that uh, I believe it's a Korean movie to, to kind of gauge a couple of things. One, I wanted to know really what that player wants out of a game. And he really liked the dynamic aspect of things, being a hero, being like uh, a, another friend of mine uh, from back in my Game Master show days uh, really wanted to punch a dinosaur in the face, a T-Rex in the face when we played Hollow Earth Expeditions. And, Who doesn't want to? Right. And he's also the one that would like jump out of a helicopter in the werewolf game with uh, and then uh, change in midair uh, and then slam down on the bad, the baddie. Uh, you know, that's that sort of epic movie-esque uh scene um and he really and the the so that spirit of the century game he really liked that that new player really liked that new to me player um which you can get out of the star wars game but because the combat was a little slower it didn't feel like it so right i think i'm gonna actually run fifth edition D mainly because um every other system that I would want to run, uh, they don't know. Um, <laughs> and so that makes it harder. <laughs> so knowing the rules will make it faster. Um, so, uh, that's what I'm planning, uh, is a D and D game. I'm a little tempted by forbidden lands. Uh, I picked up a bundle of holding of like, uh, a whole smattering of forbidden land stuff, which is very much a hex crawl feel. And, uh, but I haven't wrapped my head around it yet. And so if I haven't wrapped my head around it, then I don't think that would be a good yet. So it's probably going to be D&D. The Burning Wheel game, Burning Wheel, I had mentioned in the last thing, is not going to be right for this group. Uh, so uh, I'd like to, but it's just not going to be right for this particular group. When you have a whole book given over to character creation. Right. And, and they don't I think own you it. end up using a good chunk of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and I almost ran the Gamma World Hex Crawl again. The our our Sunday D D game couldn't go on. Uh Super Bowl was that weekend. And so uh not all of us follow the sports ball, but one of the one of the groups one of the sections of players did. So that family basically wasn't gonna be able to make it. And so I was like, hey, what about Gamma World? And so the rest of everybody was like, yeah, let's do that. The rest of everybody being two people, um, which would have been fine. But uh, then one of them said, hey, I got a migraine, so I can't do it. So a one-person Gamble World game, it probably could have been okay. I could have done it, but it just felt better to, felt more like the right thing to do to cancel it for that day. So maybe one day I'll play it again. It's always good to have it on the back burner. Yeah. Until hyper intelligent, you know, carrots come storming out of the shadows and demand that you run the game. So, right, right. 
Well, we remember this is the one where we have the uh, the cacti when the rainy season comes uproot themselves and go berserk um, <laughs> around the the village. So excellent, yep. excellent. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Good stuff. <laughs> one of the reasons why we tried this temporal resonance thing was because Zine Quest Three is happening right now, and I don't know a whole lot about it. So I want you to tell me all about it because I know that you are hip deep in it. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. I, I'm very excited about this because way back in the day, I had me and my friends on our Commodore 64s uh, published our own zine. It was like an RPG flavored zine. I think we had like a Twilight 2000 article and like a Star Frontiers article. And I think we, we managed to put together one issue um, and printed like five copies of it to bring to the hobby store. I don't, I don't actually remember what happened to them. I don't have a copy of it, oh. but it was a great experience. Um, and it was, I mean, we spent. It was one of these things, like you know, you're you're twelve, right? Mm -hmm. And so you spend the entire summer knowing nothing about pagination, knowing nothing about layout, right? Like all you have is like this rough idea from your D and D books how things are supposed to look, and like Dragon Magazine or whatever, right? And yep. so we spent like the whole summer doing nothing. But every time we got together, we'd work on the zine. So right. finally we got it to like, so we had one of our friends draw the cover and everything and it was pretty cool. And so over the years I've picked up zines here and there. And so zines are, are meant to be small, simple publications, right? So they're like usually less than 64 pages, maybe 32, um, usually in it, multiples of eight because of how layout works. It's, and it's usually like a, uh, like an eight and a half by 11 folded over. Yes, exactly. Um, so it's not meant to be like your old Dragon magazine or your Dungeon magazine or even really a proper magazine. It can be saddle stitched. Um, it can be like stapled along the center. Um, but generally speaking, it is meant to be a lower grade um, publication. And it's mm -hmm. and I think it's meant with, with Kickstarter, I suspect a good chunk of what it's doing. First of all, it, lots of people have favorable memories of the zine scene. Um, and there was a day, right, like when you would go into a comic book store and there'd be a rack which would just have like self-published zines. Hmm. Um, at least, in, at least in New Jersey, that was a thing. Didn't uh, have that was... where I was, but, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, into the eighties and nineties. And I think like in the nineties too, like pagination became, especially as desktop publishing became easier and easier. There was this rise of the self-published zine and like people would, you know, they'd have mail order things and what have you. And so it was, it was a thing. And I think the, the great thing about doing it through Kickstarter, I don't know this for a fact, but I would suspect it is true. It's like training wheels for running an actual Kickstarter. Right. And so you can do a limited run. With limited exposure, it doesn't actually cost you all that much. Most of these things, when you're buying the, the zines that are offered, so typically, let me take a step back for a second to kind of describe what Zine Quest does. Zine Quest is offered throughout the month of February, and basically different creators can come in and they can have a kickstarted project. And they say, okay, it usually runs for about two weeks, and they say, here is my zine. And this is on what subjects I'm covering. Um, it's going to be this number of pages. It's going to have this kind of art. I think it's generally expected to be like, black and white, or maybe with some spot color here and there. Um, but th these are fairly low tech as far as it, as far as it goes. Right. Um, and they don't cost a lot. So if you're buying the PDF, it might be $5 to get into the product. Um, if you're asking for the print one and postage and you're getting it from England, well, now it gets more, a little more expensive, right? So the print yep. ones tend to run more like $10, $12, and then you show, throw shipping on top of it. And so you're at like maybe $16. Yep. Although but I was compared to like, Sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, compared to, say, the Gloomhaven Kickstarter or, <laughs> or any of these other Kickstarters that we have seen go off and fail, I might add, right. um, 
where you've got like, it's this massive product, it costs $200, people get in way over their heads because they added all of these add-ons. Um, Not accounting for shipping, perhaps. Not accounting for shipping. Oh my gosh, I didn't realize I was going to have to ship to China. Right. Um, it, oh, it turns out that's really expensive. Oh, it turns out it's expensive to ship to Europe, right? Right. Um, and so I think this is an excellent way for people to get experience with doing a Kickstarter and learning some of these very basic things that you need to understand. What are your costs, right? Mm-hmm. How long is it going to take me to write it? How long is it going to take me to lay it out? What's it going to take me to get an artist? How am I going to pay the yep. artist? What's my yep. budget, right? Like all of these things that if you're in journalism or publishing or project management, uh, you know kind of that you have to estimate. But even even honestly, like if I if you and I were to do it tomorrow, I'm sure we both have lots of experiences with working on big projects. I wouldn't know what it would cost. Right. I would reach out. I would reach out to people I know uh, <laughs> right. that have done this before or done stuff like it before to say, hey, what what kind of costs are we looking at in terms of like, you know, if we're looking at 16 pages, how do we how much is that to mail? You know, right. Um, how much is an envelope to mail it in right you know all that sort of stuff uh right you know and you'd probably send it me media I, I know you'd probably send it media mail which would be less but you know it's yeah it and and printing you know you probably you don't want to sit like i could with my printer print it out here which is what what a lot of scenes used to do is like either printing them out themselves or print out a master copy and then take it to like copy shop and and have them duplicated a lot right uh, for cheaper and it's it's meant to be low cost which exactly. i saw on on twitter um i didn't see the original tweet but there were other things that um more of a subtweet about it of people complaining that a lot of the zines were black and white and one of the responses <laughs> was uh evil hat actually uh fred hicks from evil hat uh, responded with, you know, our top three games are black and white. You know, like the top three sellers over the course of Evil Hat were all black and white. Um, I know, uh, and and one was a soft cover. Uh, so I, I know that uh, Spirit of the Century was a soft cover, completely black and white, and it launched the company. Um, exactly. Like it uh, before that was. Don't rest your head, which Fred Hicks had done uh, completely with like clip art and and photos that he had access to, and it was all black and white. And I don't even know if they did a print run of it initially. It was a PDF, uh, but it won some awards. And then they did Spirit of the Century um, to do stuff, and and then it it went from there. Um, and there's was a couple more that they did as all black and whites after that. Um, so just because it's black and white doesn't mean it's, you know, not good. It's it. I, I think some, right. Some tabletop gamers have been, uh, grown accustomed to things like the full color D and D books, uh, sort of thing. Um, which I don't know, personally, I still like my first and second edition books that, I beat the heck out of and no pages have come out of them at all. Uh, and those are all black and white too. So except for my unearthed arcana, that one self-destructed that, yeah, (laughs) I think all the bindings on Arthur Canna, I think all the unearthed arcana's had problems. Um, they probably switched printers or something, but, 
Yeah. Um, so tell me about them. Tell, what 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 zines are out there in Zine Quest Three? So I will say so. There's uh, so one of the th- the challenges is well, we're talking about these zines. We're gonna try and get out the episodes as quickly as we can. But there is this two week time period, so not all the Kickstarters may still be active. But we wanted to give mm-hmm. you a sense for, for what's out there, so you can be ready for hopefully Zine Quest Four in 2022. So um, first off, if you go to Bone Box Chant, uh, this is a blog. Um, there'll be a link to it in the show notes. They have a Zine Quest 2021 roundup where they basically are listing every single zine that's being published. I didn't count cool. them all, but there are dozens. So that's a great place to just kind of get a high-level summary of what's out there. Kickstarter's website actually isn't that great for this. Um, I found myself kind of like crossing between stuff that was from 2020 versus 2021. Huh. And so this blog did a great job of just kind of summarizing what was actually current and valid. Um. So it is It is an eclectic mix. And I think that's one of the great things about this too, is that people can take risks on games that, you know, if you, you don't have to do this huge print run or even a thousand copy print run, you can do a limited print run and just kind of test the waters and see what people think. Mm-hmm. Um, so our friend Daniel Perez is doing uh, Through Hiker, which is a journaling game of long distance hiking, which Daniel and I are both interested in, in backpacking and hiking and what have you. And so when I saw this, I'm like, this is fantastic. I would have gotten this even if it wasn't Daniel. Um, and yeah. it is, it sounds great. It's a perfect intersection of outdoor, outdoor skills or what have you and gaming geekery and kind of like journaling, which, you know, with we, in some future episode, we're going to talk about bullet journaling. Um, it's just very attractive all around. Yeah. Um, and for those out there who don't know what a through hiker is, I actually learned today what that is. <laughs> Basically it's a, uh, you know, you can go out on a hike and you can come back or, as a, as a through hiker, it's a one-way trip. So, and, and usually it'll be like an, an Appalachian trail trip where you get dropped off or you go to a trailhead and then you exit a trail later and then you're done with the hike. You don't, there, it's not a loop, which is right. what, what I would normally do as a hike. Um, exactly. You know, you, you have to plan for a through hike. Yeah, so the, the classic version would be, like you say, the Appalachian Trail, where you start in Georgia and end in Maine, and it takes you nine months. Right. Or, so you have to know and, and there's, there's different trailheads, so you might even just go for a week, but still, yes. you're, you're going one spot. You're not turning around in the middle and coming back. You're right. going to the next pickup drop-off point. Exactly so. So I can see how that would be cool as a game. Um, yep. I can see how it would be interesting as a game. We'll see how it actually shakes out. Yep. Um, actually, one, so one that, suggestion that uh, I heard uh, an interview with Daniel today as well uh, was, uh, and I don't know, it, it might support it. I Obviously, we haven't read it yet because it's not out yet, but it'd be kind of neat for the downtime of like, okay, here's your D&D group. You're, you're traveling from the city to the dungeon. All right, here's your week. Play, while, you know, here between game sessions play through hiker and then come back and tell us a story. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be kind of neat. That would be very cool. Um, so another blog I'm, or another blog. See, I'm so used to saying blogs, but these are zines. These are zines. Yep. <laughs> uh, uh, infinite March. So this is a zine about agents working to support or tear down uh, the temporal empire and its eternal rules. So the, the temporal empire exists some point in the far future. Uh-huh. Um, so there's a foundation that leads to it to the rise of the temporal empire, which is of course eternal, except it had to start at some point. Right. So you're either protecting the eternal empire, or you're working to help defeat the eternal empire. Um, I think another thing that's interesting about the zines is some of them they're self-contained game. 
like uh, Infinite March and um, and Through Hiker, these are both self-contained. Some of the other ones are supplements or just kind of like generic resources for you know sort of like an old school essentials fantasy game that kind of thing. Or you can just retask it for whatever genre you're interested in. Nice. The uh, speaking of old school essentials, there's uh, which is basically if you're not familiar with old school essentials, it's basically um, one of these retro clones of D and D basic slash expert set from okay. way 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 back in the day, the old the old box sets. Yep. So, uh, Planar Compass. This is the second issue of it. I didn't actually pick up the first one, uh, but it's about well traveling the plains. So it has uh, new monsters, a living dungeon. Don't know exactly what that means astral navigation rules and astral pirates which actually i'm thinking about getting this because in my lunchtime game uh we just like the group just talked about they just bought a portable not a portable hole a bag of holding okay with it the salesman gave them all of the warnings that come with buying a bag of holding don't put it inside another interdimensional device you know you may find yourself dumped into the astral you know like right the standard disclaimer that goes on the side of the bag (laughs) don't rip it so hey, if they if they can't resist temptation and they get the, themselves thrown into the astral plane, this could come in. You'll be here. ready. Yeah, yeah. Hey, <laughs> a living dungeon sounds interesting. I could see two things: either living as in uh, a living campaign at a con, where like it's just they'll they'll keep releasing pieces of the dungeon, uh, and, and it might end up being a mega dungeon at the end, sort of thing, or it's a living creature like inside of a an astral space whale or something like that um and the inside is a dungeon um you know i i could see those two extremes <laughs> yeah so i'm curious uh let's see what else do we got here we have um creature feature which is a monster anthology for tabletop role playing games there's not up not much up about it uh, but I'm a huge fan of creature features, so okay. I'll just I, I would get it sight unseen because I love creature features. I'm, I always want all the monsters. Um, this one, the, this next one is is interesting, and I don't know if it's going to be a good game to play or or like a traumatic game to play, but I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna try it. It's okay. called Hope Is Not a Plan, and it is a solo journaling style RPG zine about the existential dread of professional project management. Which is at least half my job these days. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it might be a little too close to, to home. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's just going to be one of those things where you like open it and through it and go. I'm currently working on this project. I I don't want to do this anymore. Or right. it could be really fun. I guess yep. we'll we'll find out. So I, I think I've had my. Sh- I'm sure we both have had our fair shares of just truly awful projects. So mm-hmm. um, I'm interested to see how this shakes out. Um. As far as existential horror goes, uh, the next one, which I just backed, actually, is uh, The Vast in the Dark, which is a zine about exploring ruins in an infinite world. It features a brutalist alien flair, no prep world generation, and optional horror rules. So what I'm imagining, it's, it's basically like there's this randomly generated world filled with the sorts of relics and monoliths and horrors that you might see in an aliens style setting. Okay. Um, at least that's the vibe I'm getting off of the zine. And I'm kind of in a the aliens mood right now. I don't know if I'm actually, like we said before, I don't know if I'm actually going to get to play it until like the pandemic is actually over. Right. Um, but I will have all the things. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Then we have, uh, let's see, the Island of the Excellent. Um, so this is a system agnostic hex crawl style zine. Um, it has, it's basically meant to be a, a living sandbox style thing where it's got lots of random charts that you can generate. It doesn't have a lot of history that comes with it. Got and it. frankly, I'm always in use of tables. Like there's days when I'm doing my lunchtime game or just really any gaming where I just, I'm stuck and I just want some random tables. And so you throw some dice and all of a sudden, you know, the creative juices get flowing. So yep. uh, this one appeals to me in that regard. And then um, the last one I have is uh, Last Orders. Um, 16 beers and ciders for fantasy RPGs, which, so these are um, inspired by real world drinks. So let me see if I can I'll pull up some of the examples that they gave. So for example, the, the yawning Porter, which is uh, dark and creamy, <laughs> the, um, the rhymes peak Pilsner crisp, like fresh fallen snow, uh, Randolph's revelry, red ale of dwarven make that gleams like a Ruby, uh, horde coast pale ale, Brewed using the traditional hobgoblin, oh sorry, hop goblin recipe, and then uh, the Royal Fire Royal Fire Roush beer, which is smoked to perfection. And I don't know if you've ever had a Roush beer. Um, have you ever had a Roush, Roush beer? I have not. So I don't know. What these those are, are it's a it's a very thick, smoky beer. Okay. Um, it's got a lot of body to it. It's kind of like a stout, only heavier, um, and it's very That's smoky. Answer. So like when. When you, I had uh, the local uh, bar here, uh, Porter's, um, they have these things where you can get a mug if you drink 60 beers. Got it. It takes a while to drink 60 beers. And so you go through all of the different styles, and one of them is a Roush beer. And what they do for the Roush beer, I don't think they still do this, but they used to do it. Uh, they would bring a Slim Jim out and stick it in the beer. Okay. Because it's that kind of like smoky, beefy, like smoky okay. and beefy are not words that you usually associate with beer. Beer, right. Um, but it makes for a great fantasy beer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, so the so this one is that is that actually going to be a uh, an in game description of the beers, or are they actually doing the beer recipe if you're a home brewer? Because that would be no, also think, be pretty cool. No, I think that I don't think they're actually doing. I'm trying to look at the. the I see the mock up, but they don't actually have like the specifics of it. Um, I think this is meant to be more of like the in in world sort of fantasy beer. So like they talk about the the beer has a story that goes with it. So the hop goblins have a backstory that's associated with it. Um, let's see what do they have? Like so one of one of their examples is um, uh, mediating a hop goblin labor movement to resolving bitter rivalries. There's going to be lots of puns in this thing. Clear, clearly, uh, bitter right. rivalries between feuding druid uh, circles. Um, so it's got the beer plus a scenario and some standalone ideas requests. So sounds pretty good. My friends and I have had like beer has been a staple of our long running black razor guild campaign for, uh, for 20 years. Um, nice. to up to and including creating a brewery. So this <clears throat> is very much in our wheelhouse. Very cool. Cool. So the, the fun thing about zine quest is there are all these different things that are out there. Um, they don't all come right away. Right. So which is the other cool thing, like you sign up for them and then it takes a couple of months for them to actually get published there. Uh, most of the ones that I did last year, I think all of the ones I did last year did just fine. Um, like I got them eventually, but mm -hmm. inevitably, just like to any other Kickstarter, there are problems that can arise where, you know, people run into issues with layout. They get sick. Break up with the artist. What have Kickstarter. you. Yeah, it's a Kickstarter. Um, but you didn't invest a lot. You didn't spend, you know, three hundred dollars on a box set. You spend five dollars on a zine, right? So I wholeheartedly recommend it. Um, it's at 
kickstarter.com slash zine quest, if I remember correctly, but we'll double check that and have it in the show notes. I noticed be links that, that uh, Daniels, the through hiker, uh, did fund. It's still going, but it, it made its, its thing. I, I looked, Planar Compass is evidently pretty popular because they wanted $400 and they've got 11000 right now. Oh my God. So <laughs> I want to know, <laughs> I want to know how, and, and that's with 419 backers. So I'm wondering more from a, like a Kickstarter point of view, like if we ever want to do a Kickstarter, I want to know how they marketed this and what about this uh, Kickstarter drew so many people in to, yeah, to pledge definitely. that much? Because um, that's that's pretty amazing. All the others are pretty close to their goal. You know, Hope is Not a Plan is $1,800 out of their $750. Um, but uh, yeah, it's... That one was interesting. Uh, oh, uh, In the Vast Dark, um, which is... what talked about as well is 15,000 out of their $500 goal. <laughs> so yeah, they're, they're, uh, they're probably very happy. I hope. Yeah, No kidding. I hope. So clearly they can still blow up just like regular Kickstarter goes. Oh yeah. Um, which can be intimidating, especially like, you know, I think uh, we should, we should have Daniel on at some point to talk about it. It would be fascinating to pick his brain a little bit, but like, cause you have to, like, if you do this and you sell that many copies, suddenly you have to like, man, like if, if it's old school zine, you have to like print and bind and like, depending on what's involved, or even if you get, if you're having it totally printed at the local printer, cool. Like you got to get a package, you got to get them in envelopes. You have to get yep. a postage on it. Right? Yep. All I think, of this stuff takes hours. I think for the, the other ones, uh, for like the Ion Codex and stuff like that, um, he had it printed and then shipped to his house. But then he had to manually uh, put him, put everything in envelopes and and mailing labels and stamps and everything like that and send them out. So, yeah, it's uh, fifteen thousand dollars worth of zine is a lot of a lot of mailing labels stamps and <laughs> it is it is and i think this office. is why some of the zines some of the zines will purposely put a limit on it right they'll say this is a run of 250 and that's what i'm prepared to do right because i'm not in a position to hand label 5000 zines <laughs> right right <laughs> or you know what have you <laughs> yeah and, i mean and that's easy enough to do if they uh i mean they can put an infinite number of pdf copies uh, cause that's just a electronic copy, but they could definitely say, Hey, I'm going to do the print copies, but I'm only going to do 200, you know, or right. 500 of those or whatever, however many. Um, right. I have a feeling that the planar compass issue two is because blew up because their issue one was pretty popular. Um, yes. And their Kickstarter offers copies of issue as well as indeed so the, the, i will say the hardest part of the whole thing for me has been trying to stay on budget <laughs> understood yeah i've there are so many good zines <laughs> i uh so i got burning wheel and then i got the um all right uh forbidden lands uh bundled holding and i'm looking at for the D D game i'm looking at picking up something like rhyme of the frost maiden or or our module which I haven't run in years, but it means that I probably can prepare a little bit less than I normally would need to. Um, 
because the plot is there already. Um, so I haven't picked up. I I picked up. I did back through Hiker. Um, but I don't know if I'm going to back any others. I, mean, <laughs> I hear. I feel I like want to. <laughs> uh, but my budget's capped. <laughs> Yeah, I might get one or two more with PDFs because I don't think I can afford to get the print versions. But in any case, yep. great stuff. Folks should check it out. Definitely. Um, and so we'd like to thank everybody for listening. Unlike the next couple of episodes you're going to listen to, we know who we are. Yep. <laughs> we are the Lair of Secrets podcast. <laughs> and we love feedback. You can send it to us at, yeah, there really is an email address, podcast at lairofsecrets.com or via Twitter, at Lair of Secrets. Um, you can also visit the lairofsecrets.com and leave us feedback, topic uh, ideas, or your own notes about what we've talked about. Thanks, everybody, and we'll talk to you next time.